G'day guys, welcome back to another Feeding Camp episode. In today's episode, we're grateful enough to have our beloved Sheikh, who is flown down all the way from America. Um, he dives into a couple of topics regarding his life as a student who studied and graduated from the University of Medina. Um, as well as that, we also get into topics such as what it's like as a student studying away from the West. Um, and also, how can you balance the life of a Muslim living in the West? Also, the study routines that he went from his transition. Um, and we'll also get into topics such as sport, all this kind of stuff. So it's a jam-packed episode with gems left, right and centre. So we hope you enjoy today's episode. So uh, I like the Hanifi Madhab. It's, uh, it's very nice. It's very relevant. Contemporary issues, and mashallah. Abu Hanifa was a giant of fiqh, you know. Mm. Uh, Shafi says about him that it's like men versus kids when it comes to fiqh to Abu Hanifa. That's just a guess. Look at that smile. So, Hadith Madhab is, you know, it gets a lot of heat. But in reality, it's a very interesting Madhab. If you look at the way they put things together, incredible. Especially. Even though when it comes to hadith, they're not as strong uh, compared to other madahib. But when it comes to pure fiqh and usul al-fiqh, absolutely incredible. The way they extract evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah out of the boom, it's, it's, a, it's a, that's one edge they have. You know, every madhab has a, has a pro. Like, this is, it's not black and white like people mm. seem, you know. Shafi'i is the, is, is the go-to madhab and Hanafi is down and gutter. No, it's not like that. Mm. Every madhab has a... Has a, has a yeah, it's strength based. What's like the numbers globally? Like, what's like the least followed most? And because obviously here we see because there's a lot of Somalis like around this area yeah. and a lot of Shafis. Yeah. Even Egyptians, a lot of them Shafi. Yeah. Then when I get like Pakistanis, yeah. there's Hanafis. So it depends on like where you go. To. But what do you know globally? Like how the numbers are? Yeah, yeah, Hanafis roll deep, man. They take it over. They're they're at least fifty five to sixty percent. Oh, I think it's because deep. certain countries. Have I mean, I mean, you have India, hundred eighty million Hanafis. <laughs> Pakistan, 160 million Hanafis. Bangladesh, 140 Hanafis. <laughs> Turkey, 80 million Hanafis. God sake, China, 50 million Hanafis. Yeah. And blowing them out the park. They've already got the population. Close. Yeah, they, they got the entire Asia locked down. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's not even close. It's like one companion or one at the time after you know, Abu Hanifa. Yeah. Someone just went, like five people. From that, boom. Went to Asia and everyone worked. Yeah, and, and it helps, you know, Abu Hanifa was Persian. He was mm. Persian, right? Close he, he was the only non-Arab amongst the four members. Malik was from Yemen. Shafi'i is from Mecca. Nahmed from Iraq. So Abu Hanifa was the only non-Arab. So mm. it's possible, Allah alam, all the non-Arabs. Like, yeah, that's my dog. They just, <laughs> and he was the earliest one too. Yeah. So Malik was, you know, Malik actually, you know, he wasn't really popular early on, except in Egypt. Because Outside of, his of that, views? No, because he was only in Egypt and Medina. That's it. And he you know never how, left Medina as well. He never left Medina. He yeah. only went to Mecca for Umrah. No, yeah. So it was only Medina. He, he didn't, and, did he make Hajj? He made Hajj, yeah. yes, and Umrah. Hmm. But uh, uh, Malik, he did not become popular until one of his students, Yahya bin Yahya al-Layth, entered Andalusia in Spain. And Spain was on Ozai's madhab. And Ozai's from Lebanon. You're Lebanese, right? Ozai <laughs> uh, is from Lebanon. He's from Beirut. He's probably the greatest Lebanese scholar to ever live. He had his own madhab, but it became extinct two centuries after he died. Rahimahullah. So Ozai was a madhab in Andalusia. Imam Malik's student, when he stepped foot in, in Andalusia, he spread his madhab. Through his student? Through his student. He's the one who started, ignited the fire, and it caught. the fire never stopped. It reached all of Northwest Africa. You know, so... Subhanallah. So uh, that's where Malik spread. And then Shafi'i, you know, he came to Egypt, and basically the Egyptians, they turned Maliki to... They were originally on Laith's Madhab, and they turned Maliki for a short stint. Then they became predominantly Shafi'i, although there's still other Madhab that are there. Mm. Uh, the Hijaz was Shafi'i, East Africa, you know, Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Malaysia. Indonesia so, got a lot of Muslims. It's like 300 million 200 there. Million. 300, but 300 million, yes. But even that, like, they're not all Shafi'i too. Because I asked one guy, like... Yeah, some cities, there's Hanifi, some this, but predominantly... Predominantly Shafi'i, just like India, you know, southern India, very south in India, there's Shafi'is there, mm. you know, from Meliabar and those areas. How about, the, how about the Hanbalis, where's that? The Hanbalis were, uh, Hanbalis were about to become extinct, believe it or not, until one family literally saved the Hanbali, the Maghdisi family, 
they uh, they saved it from extinction. Uh, literally, even almost because mm-hmm. the Hanbali, they were almost non-existent except in Palestine. They moved from Palestine to Syria, and Syria was a stronghold of the Muslim back then. And then uh, they spread the Hanbali method. Uh, but still, even today, they're still a minority. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not huge. Why but, does uh, um, Saudi or Medina University then teach Hanbali? It if teaches Hanbali now. It only started two years ago. Oh, Before that? 2017, that's when they started. I, I forgot to tell you that. 2017, they started Hanbali. I never knew that. Pre, and before that was Hanafi? Pre-2017, nah. it was all four madhabs. Oh, yeah, because of the thing with when they had that debate where they couldn't even pray one salat without all four uh, madhabs going on at once. That was well before. That was well before King Abdulaziz came. Okay. King Abdulaziz is the one who stopped that. No. He reunited the country back in the early 1930s. Which so, he stopped that. So, 100 years ago, they were praying four jamaats. Yeah, almost 100 years ago they were praying four jamaats that was before so the kingdom was four, four different mahrabs every prayer yeah. the Hanafis would come they would pray their prayer and the Malikis would come <laughs> then the Shafis would come that's how bad it was and the Hanbalis would come was that's this before Was this before Saudi was even Saudi Hanbali. like it was yeah. before the third Saudi state ah uh, okay so, before so, it became a state itself yeah, yeah. but Medina was teaches the four mothers because 80% of the students come from 160 plus countries so uh, you can't have them all teach Hanbali, you know. Mm. So they, they did comparative fiqh, but the problem is comparative fiqh is very advanced. If you don't have one madhab down, and you go to comparative fiqh, you're going to get confused. Like there's one guy, he said, I knew how to pray before I entered Medina University. <laughs> I came out of that joint, I don't know how to pray now. Because the minute I go into prayer, Allahu Akbar, what do I say for du'a al-istiftah? There's three du'as. Man, I think about it. Which one should I do? Fatiha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to raise or to not to raise? You know, should I raise my hands? Not. Each one has a deal. I don't know. You get confused. So you got to start with one method, then you move on to comparative. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to get confused. That's why two years ago, they they uh, they changed the curriculum and they made it to Hanbali method. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Uh, Some I remember someone saying, uh, I thought the deen was black and white until I learned fiqh. And I realized the deen's like, because you get raised up and. You you learn the fiqh of your dad naturally. No, he doesn't go to you and say, "This is what this is. This is how you do it. This is how you do it." It's you naturally pick it up. Do you know what I mean? And then I realized this only a year ago, not too long ago myself. I was like, I was praying salat, and then I'm saying "Amin" out loud. And I'll I'll be at tarawih prayer, and I'll be like, because you realize the second half tarawih it will get more quiet. And I'll be like, why? Where did everyone go? Like the energy go, all this kind of stuff. And I realized the people that said Amin have left now. Yeah. And I'm one of the last <laughs> left people saying Amin. <laughs> and the people that don't say Amin are from the other madhab. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then my point being the fact that, like, how the guy goes that the deen was before black and white. To me, it was black and white. Like, this was right, this was wrong. Yeah. Then you learn fiqh and you learn that there's differences in within your own deen. Yeah. It becomes so confusing. Well, I achieved to me as well. To this day, it's like when you answer, do I put next to the person's foot, or should I respect the fact that there might be a different belief? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, a lot of things go through your mind. Exactly. It's like where's your khushra and salat? Yeah. Can you yeah. Pick and yeah. Was that? Can you pick and choose? Can you pick and choose? That's a tough question. Before you answer that, yeah. can you quickly just say your name, say when you graduated, and yeah, what you, you could just the audience might not know who you are. Yeah, yeah. my name is Abdullah bin Umar, also known as Bihi. Uh, it's a family name graduated back in uh, late 2016 but a couple years ago a few years ago alhamdulillah i think that's enough of an intro yeah you graduated from medina <laughs> university Marshall, guys if you can't tell by his accent he's from the united states he's a special guest on our podcast um, definitely very special um but yeah so we'll continue the conversation in regards to first of all he was a student and technically still a student of life um at medina university um yeah you already know the deal so Hundred percent. Yeah, you gotta be a student of life, you know, from the cradle to the grave. Ooh. That's how we do it. You know what I mean? That's how we all should do it. it sounds familiar though. That, that that's a statement of Imam Ahmed. Oh. He's asked, you know, you're still studying hadith, you're still studying ilm at this age, no. and you're the greatest scholar to to live. You're the greatest of all time, like the real goat, and you're still studying. And then he pulled it out. He said, "Min al-mahd ila al-lahd," from the cradle <laughs> to the grave. That's why Imam Ahmed used to carry an ink pot everywhere he went to the point that his his, his his shirt or whatever he used to wear his stove used to be full of ink because he used to be writing all the time the next time you see me boy he's going to see ink stains <laughs> <laughs> he's going to wipe his face and he's got ink <laughs> yeah. so can we go back to that question because that's a very yeah, isn't like say like say like one day I'm like hey, what uh, I don't want to be awkward in Salah I, I, I don't want to say I mean yeah, exactly oh, when I'm down in, in Tahit I don't want to do this yeah. <laughs> this thing is you know or like, uh, 
you know what, today, I, I don't feel like doing this, I feel like doing this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough question, but uh, in reality, the scholars, they divide the people into mujtahidun and muqallidun, those who can do ishtihad, mm-hmm. meaning they can, they can pick and choose, but they pick and choose based on knowledge. And they could also, uh, or they're blind followers. They just f- blindly follow what their teachers tell them to do or what their sheikhs or whatever their community does. But a student of knowledge is cut right be- between. He's not really a proper blind follower. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he's not really a mujtahid. You see what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. He's right in between. So uh, if somebody has studied and he knows about the two opinions and he knows about the few evidences, then follow the one that you feel that is more comfortable. All right? But in terms of study, you should study one method. But I'd be very wary of doing that because sometimes you may follow an opinion in one issue and you follow another opinion in another issue. But those two opinions together is problematic. They call it a tilfiq. So I'll give you an example. For example, the touching the hands? Marriage, for example. Marriage. Okay, I love this. Right? One. You like this talk. Huh. Huh? <laughs> marriage, for example. The Hanafis, they say a woman can get married without a wedding. Correct? I'm going to become a Hanafi. And the Maliki wait, 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 say... What did you say under the mic? I might become a Hanafi. Might become a Hanafi. <laughs> <laughs> Make the process a bit easier. <laughs> uh, the Malikis, they say, you can get married without any witness. You see where this is going, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what if you get married without any witnesses or weddies? It's just you know. So, so here's the thing. The, <laughs> but you pick two in the same thing. You pick two different opinions. From two different So the majority They say you have to have a wedding Hanafis they say No you don't have to wed. The majority say You have to have a witness Maliki say You don't have to have a Witness, witness. Mm-hmm. You take An opinion from the Hanafis Of one issue An opinion of Maliki Is in another issue And you combine them exactly. But those two issues combined mm-hmm. Nobody has allowed it In that format exactly. mm-hmm. That's not allowed That's That's mm-hmm. In fact the, the scholars they say You gotta watch out for Tilfiq from so sometimes you may choose an opinion, but it's related to another issue. If you don't know, if you don't follow a protocol in that issue, then you, it becomes problematic. So it's always best to just follow one method, just to be on the safe side. Mm. Uh, because there are some scenarios where you combine between issues, and when you combine between issues in that scenario, the whole marriage contract becomes invalid. Exactly. Because you get married without a wedding and a witness. The Hanafis say this marriage is invalid. The Malikis say this marriage is invalid. Mm. The chef is humble, as you say, from both sides is invalid. Multiple infractions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see? Multiple infractions. Multiple infractions. You, you right? literally might as well ask her on a date then, pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then go from there. Yeah. Oh, so, so pick and choose has its harms. So mm-hmm. it's best to just stick to whatever the sheikh or the madhab says mm-hmm. so you don't fall into that. Mm-hmm. But if you get, if Allah blesses a person with an amount of knowledge in which he can differentiate, then obviously you can pick and choose. There's certain things that you can't follow in your madhab. When can we start mm-hmm. to not pick and choose, but when can we start to take a different opinion than what we used to? Like what um something that's small is me as a Hanafi, mm-hmm. we can't eat like prawns or shellfish. You might be able to give the ruling. I just know it's the ruling, mm-hmm. or like the red coloring. Yeah. So there's certain foods like people you can't have because of it, mm-hmm. and it's limited me in certain things. Like if someone makes like ch- chili prawns, it's like oh should I eat it? Should I not? Or Red Rock Deli Sweet Chili Chips, my favorite chips, I can't eat it anymore. Hey. So is it something where I'm, I can say, for food, I'm going to take a Shafi opinion? Because I don't know like, how big of a deal is it, what's the ruling, like, what can I do in this situation? Yeah, it's uh, definitely, like, it goes on that line. But yeah, and as long as a person is following an opinion held by one of the four madhabs, mm-hmm. and you know about it, you studied it, and you verified it with a scholar, double-checked, and you're not doing the tilfiq, it shouldn't be a problem. Mm. Like for us, we study the Shafi'i Madhab, but we don't follow the Shafi'i Madhab in certain certain matters. There's certain issues with the Shafi'i Madhab that is not followed by any Shafi'i. Like for example, there's, there's a concept in transactions, it's called Bay'ul Mu'atah. You can't buy anything except if you verbally say, I will buy. And, and the other person has to say, I will sell it to you. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, if you just give it, if you just hand them the credit card, which you did earlier, you did a little touch thing, you know, and the bam, bam, that's invalid according to the Shafi's. I mean, that's, you see, who follows that? Nobody mm-hmm. follows that. You know, in Hajj and Umrah, I remember one time I was in Tawaf, 10th day of Hajj, one of the most packed days in Mecca. Mm-hmm. All right? I'm on the 7th Tawaf, and bam, 
I had to go. I had to go make wudu. No. Don't ask me why I had to go make wudu. Yeah. I just had to go make wudu. Y'all understand? Yeah, yeah, 100%. All right. Put one and one two together. Hey, you already know. Equals two, but yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> 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 so just imagine that. Now, the Hanafi method would come right in play right now. Very easy. Because the Hanafis, they say, you don't have to have wudu to make tawaf. Mm. The majority, they say, you have to. See, this is the rahmah of, of having these differences of opinion. Mm. Imagine I had to go back outside. Go to the bathroom. It, it might have taken an hour or two hours, possibly. You know? Or, for example, touching the opposite gender. Shafi's that breaks your wudu. So imagine you have to watch out every time a lady bumps into you. And you have to go make wudu. Is that possible? So in this case, you're forced. Or you have to, be, you have to take the opinion of the other method. So you can as long as you verify and you avoid that, that, that scenario that we mentioned earlier. Mm. So I, I hope it's not a problem. As long as it's an opinion. A legitimate opinion held by one of the four opinions. Now, there are some opinions within the four madhabs that are extremely weak, that a person shouldn't follow, right? And that's why I exercise the word legitimate. Can you give us an example, like, mm-hmm. just of something extremely weak? Like, then we might say, oh, that's what you mean. Mythbusters. And when you say extremely weak, do you mean because of the fact that it's, you're not, you, you can't continually do this, what do you call it, ruling? No, extremely weak in terms of its evidence. Okay, yep, 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 in yep. terms of its evidence, you know, evidence that is backed within the four madhabs, okay. and and you avoid that scenario where he, you take one issue, another issue, you put it together, <laughs> nobody agrees to it, <laughs> you're straight, you're good to go, inshallah ta'ala. Oh. Uh, I, also, one thing, for example, Hanafis don't join Salat when they travel, uh-huh. and that's sometimes like a burden, some people just say, just join. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to join Salat, do I have to pray? As a Shafi or do I still pray as a Hanafi? Because certain things like saying Bismillah, Amin out loud, where you put your hands, raising your hands, mm. you know, your Fatiha has to be perfect, Tajweed, Zatation. Mm. Yeah. If I take the ruling of join, shortening and joining, do I have to pray as a Shafi or do I pray as a Hanafi? No, no, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. You don't really have to pray as a Shafi. You can take the Shafi opinion in terms of combining prayers, which is the opinion of the majority, by the way, and, and, and not follow it completely. You don't have to do that. But that's what I'm saying. The scenarios where you combine, that's uh, limited. Only a scholar or a person of knowledge can point it out to you. Mm. But in that case, that doesn't fall under this. There's separate issues, if you know what I mean. So, you know, the the chef, the, 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 the Hanafis have something called a jam'a suri. Right? They don't believe in combining between the prayers. Rather, they say you delay Lord till the end of time, and you pray Asr at the beginning of time. But you don't, you don't, uh, you don't pray... Together, uh, back to back, mm. anytime at Dhuhr, anytime Asr, no, you mm. delay Dhuhr, pray Asr early, and that's only it. So, mm. if Asr comes in at 5 30, then you pray Dhuhr like at 5 15 or 5 20, and you pray Asr at 5 30. That's their jama. otherwise, there's no jama. Mm. You know, you can't pray Asr at 1 30, and you can't pray Dhuhr at 6 30. I mean, technically, uh, you can't pray Dhuhr after 5 30, it has to be at the end of Dhuhr and the beginning of Asr. That's what the Hanafis believe in. Which might be a burden, so if you take the opinion of the majority, then arjula best would be, I mean, it should, be it should be a problem. As, because it's a scholarly opinion that mm. is held, that is legitimate, is backed by evidences. Allah alam, and Allah knows best, you know? Mm. Oh. Yeah, um, let's go back to your, like your journey from just being a regular school kid yeah. to, <laughs> to going to Medina yeah. a few years back. Yeah. What prompted that decision? Like, why? Like, was it like a was it like a one day I woke up like, now I'm done I'm, I'm out of here or was it like a few months leading up to a few years leading up to oh, I'm thinking should I should I not I mean to be honest it uh, like going to Medina wasn't uh, was always I was trying to do that but it's not easy to get into Medina you know what I mean getting into Medina requires a whole process especially nowadays it's easier everything's online everything's easy back then there was a lack of information I when, had to apply when did you apply what year I first applied in '08. They didn't allow me to apply. Then I applied a second time in 2010. And then uh, 2010, alhamdulillah, I got accepted in 2011. Mm-hmm. And I started in 2012. The issue was I was I was studying at university. I was a third-year student at university. What were you studying? And uh, University of Minnesota. What were you studying? What? I was studying EE, electrical engineering. Ooh. Early on, so he made, he made it ee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we call it. Like it was something. Like it's nothing. Sorry, you never heard of that before. You never heard of that, huh? Yeah. yeah. So I got a question. It, it was, was that it was like, Inca, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I should have used it, man. I should have dropped it. 
Uh, anyways, uh, EE. I was studying EE, and then and then I had and then I got accepted. That's when I went to Medina. But in terms of seeking knowledge, that was always in the in the plans. And the reason mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, you see the ignorance, the, the the prevalence of ignorance in the Muslim community. You know, you don't see a really emphasis on seeking and studying Islamic knowledge. We don't we don't have too many scholars around, right? At least uh, not in the Western world. Uh, not, not in the Western world, and even in the Eastern world, it's 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 gradually less from the generation before. Like exactly. So yeah. So Was that the? Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. So, so knowing like what you believe in, what you identify with as a Muslim, that's very important. Like, what's the point of believing in something, mm. and you don't know what it stands for? You don't know its theology. You know that 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 was like a little motivation. A non-Muslim asks you a question, you're scratching mm. your head, and you're like. <laughs> Yeah. That, that got me interested in DMs. Yeah. That got me interested in DMs. Yeah. The same thing. Like, just, how can I not know basic things? Yeah. Yeah. Some guys said to me at work once, he said to me, um, okay, I get you're fasting, and I get you're not eating, okay, you know, da da da, da but why not music? I'm like, oh, it's not good for you. He's like, how? Explain it. It's then, awkward, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I'm like, uh,. Uh, like he harms the soul, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, th and he's thinking, no, but it calms me down, it makes me happy. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to say here. Yeah. I just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those moments, man. Trigger you, you know. And it's awkward because you're a representation yeah. of your own dinner. Like, I'm thinking, if I don't give this guy the right answer right now, he's gonna think we're just muppets. And <laughs> he's who knows, he never will become a Muslim ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it reminds me of a similar thing when I was in my. Um, you know, one thing is at the break room at work, one conversation, and this is the reason why I sit outside at work. The boys see my Instagram stories, they always see me in my little, whatever you call it. Um, but one reason I never sit in the staff room where everyone's eating and all that kind of stuff is because of the conversations that come up. It's so annoying. Because of the fact that I work in a majority like white environment where most of my co-workers are often white, um, you always get the general conversation. They're, they're very ignorant. Oh, what's in your food today? What else do you eat at home? Do you know what I mean? Because they think like, we eat everything like we're for crazy do you know what I mean and to them it's, all they eat is like a bacon and egg or something like that yeah um, so I get the conversation and it goes oh so why can't you I hate this, this question yeah why don't you eat pork what's wrong with pig and they always have the argument then they believe that the fact that it's the cleanest food in the world and me the way that I'm raised like you're eating a pig you're touching it first of all is one thing you're eating it what, what are you doing do you know what I mean so then after, I mean, that, it's an awkward situation, do you know what I mean? Because now there's like, what, six people who are non-Muslim, who are white. First of all, I'm already black, that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Then I'm Muslim, that's another big difference. Mm -hmm. And the worst part of it all, I can't even answer their question. Yeah. Do I mean? What do I say, why can't it pig? When they say to me, yeah, that it's the cleanest food in the world, how do I reply to the fact that it's not? Mm -hmm. I have to come up with the better fact, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I have no facts in the back <laughs> of the bag. I mean, I, mean, I mean, Christians themselves, they're not, technically, they're not supposed to eat yeah. pork. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they're not supposed to, so... Unless they say they're not Christian, I'm pretty. I'm assuming Australia is heavily Christian. Heavily Christian, dominant. I don't. I don't really know if Australians are very practicing. No, they're at not, all. They're, like they're not. Even, they don't even claim themselves as Christian. They're already just. Uh, yeah, a lot of the people I know just go by the day. <laughs> Symbolic. Yeah, same yeah. thing in the US. Mm. I'll use that excuse in the back of my pocket next but then time. Is it <laughs> <laughs> so can you go back to your journey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to get accepted right away. It was like. Um, I was, you know, at the moment, Medina, you get accepted two years in, three times. You have to try to apply every time. Cause mm. it's, the, the acceptance rate is like 6% or 5% or something like this. It's extremely oh. low. Alhamdulillah. You said um, before, obviously, the processes of applying to Medina isn't the same as it was back then. Yeah. Was that the days when you actually had to physically go to Medina while you're on Umrah or something and chuck in your application? So at that time, what we did, yes, I did that. And then... A few weeks right after that, they uh, opened up the online portal. Right, so okay. I had to apply online too. So they told me I had to apply online as well. Yeah. So I had to physically turn. And then after like a year in, they, they banned uh, turning in physical applications. Yeah. You know, so I had to physically apply and then I had to apply online a second time. But then even then, the internet wasn't as readily used like it is today at least. You know, smartphones were just coming out back then. There wasn't yeah. much information online. You know, uh, information was much, very little. Even the way you get accepted, mm. way, so, even till today, it's kind of weird. You know, you're supposed to get a mail in the, you know, mm. in, in, in a post box. The yeah. way you get accepted today is uh, through the website. Yeah, your name comes out. I got accepted through a phone call because they posted the names on the university wall. 
They didn't put it online. Ah, uh, those are days you look and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. one guy, he checked it out and then he gave me a phone call and that's how I got accepted. Oh, so everything was different back then. Everything was different back you then. You know, put it, if you put it into perspective, you said you first applied in 08. Mm-hmm. Think of it, yeah? The first smartphone came out a year before that, 2007, mm-hmm. which being the iPhone. So the world was... A Instagram different. wasn't even created. Yeah. yeah. You know I mean? Facebook yeah. wasn't even an app. Yeah. YouTube, YouTube was just starting, do you know what I mean? YouTube just started in 06, I believe it was YouTube. Yeah. Around then, 05, 06. And no one would have a career off YouTube like it is now, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember back then, Razer was, the, was you know, it was yeah. a nice phone. The Razer, the little silver Razer. Is that the flip-up one? Or? Yeah, the flip-flop one, yeah. yeah. Back in 07, 08 days. Yeah. You, yeah. you know one phone, random comment that I always wanted? You know the pair phones? They don't exist, but... I can't leave. I can't leave. Oh, my oh, God. Nickelodeon. You know that. You're from America. Uh, Sony Ericsson. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Were you a big TV show fan growing up? Like, nah, America, nah. like, you, it's from the same, maybe some people from the same state as you, yeah. you know, making movies, that's that. No, nah, no, nah, I'm not a TV guy or a movie guy. Even as a kid? No, nah, no, nah, I'm not really into sports, that. Sports, man. Maybe sports, yeah. Sports. You used to ball out? Yeah, I used to ball out back in the day. Okay, good. I'm tired now, but used to ball <laughs> ball. <laughs> used to ball a little bit. Did you ever meet? Like yeah. NBA stars like on the street, like yeah, yeah. Who'd you meet? Cause you had some, you had some giants that played for Minnesota. Yeah. Everybody's. Well, I, I I met the shortest one, Nate Robinson. Oh. He was no. actually shorter than me. Five nine, yeah. What yeah, he's five on? nine. He was shorter than me. He dunk. But he can yeah. jump over you, though. The man he can has jump. The man has hops for days. Yeah. He can jump. Over. So you meant, who else did you meet? Yeah, yeah. He so Nate Robinson. I met a lot of T Mac back when I was younger. You met him a lot. T Mac, yeah. Who else did I meet? I'm pretty sure I met some others. But you were just walking on the street like that kind of vibe. Random places, man. You see him at a restaurant. You see him at the at an airport. You mm. see him. Uh, you see him randomly. You know. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I believe I seen Ricky Rubio before. Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio before. That's recent. But that's that's normal because you have like games there every single second night or third night. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So if you wouldn't have the the Minnesota lineup, you'd rather have someone else coming down. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you're around the Target Center area or if you know where these guys be staying at, you, you can find them easily. It's not like I looked for them. Mm. I wasn't like a super fan or anything. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't a worshipping fan, but I would, I'd bump it to them and I'd see them, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, a- you know, any like... Any Muslims play for Minnesota recently? Any Muslims? Yeah. I mean, we had a brother. His name was Hussein Abdullah. Somali? He safety for... <laughs> no, he was a Somali. <laughs> but he, he was a... Uh, he was Muslim. <laughs> You know, he he made the news. He he was fasting during training camp, oh. and and that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? yeah, but he was playing for the Vikings, which is American football. Oh. If you guys know. Yeah. But in terms of basketball, I'm not sure. A basketball player that, that played for Minnesota mm. that's Muslim. A lot. A lot. A lot, a lot of Muslim basketball players. Not a lot, but there's a number. Nah, there's, there's quite a, a number. bit. Yeah. There's a number, you know, here and there. Us Australians, if there's ever like a Muslim soccer player, Muslim NBA player, we get so G. Yeah, we get gas like. All over the moon, oh my god, Muslim. He says, Slowly come on, so he says, Alhamdulillah, which gets so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's the same in the States because we don't have as much, they're, they're, they're very minimal. Mm. I think there's more soccer players that are, that are Muslims, but yeah. are Muslim, but in America, not too many. You can count them with two hands. American football as well, American football as well. American football might be a little bit more. You know, they have Muslim names, so I'm not really sure yeah, if they're yeah, still yeah, Muslim yeah. they practice. Matter of fact, you know, I just remembered a Muslim Minnesota player, basketball, yeah. Gorgie Jank. I just remembered. Yeah. Gorgie Jank. G-I-E-N-G. Yeah, 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 I know him. Jank. I know he's, he's from Senegal, I believe. Yeah. I, I believe he's Muslim. Tall guy. Uh, he's tall. He's yeah. like 6'11", 7 yeah. feet. He's not in... for ages. Yeah, I, I, think, Muslim. I think he's Still Muslim. in the league? Yeah, he is Muslim. Yeah, he still he's plays. He's definitely a good player. Uh, I don't know about a good player. He, like he's, he plays not on the bench, like 14th man on the roster. Actually, gets a yeah, he gets some minutes, minutes. I believe. Yeah, he gets yeah. minutes. I'm not. I'm not really. But this player, I don't like, follow as much. Like but, you know Dennis yeah. Schroeder. Yeah. 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 Have you uh, seen his tattoo? No. He's got Allah on his shoulder. No way. Yeah. Is he Muslim? Or is he a five percenter? No, but he's one of. <laughs> he, he's one of those. He's one of those interesting players where they've got like, Alhamdulillah as a caption in their bio or every next second photo. He's one of those that give you those vibes, but you never know. Do you know what I mean? It's wow. they're not outwards like some actually very practicing wow. players in the league like Ennis Kanata and all those kind of what's the new player <laughs> the Bobo I'm, I'm not trying to make like, feel yeah, like Bobo, be, <laughs> there's a video Ennis Kanata and Bobo driving driving listening to Yassin yeah, and yeah, I, see that. I see that I, see I got that. so jaded yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it was uh, it was that one brother tall guy what's Bobo. his name 
That's his name? Yeah, for Celtics. Yeah. Wasn't he? Oh, you talking about the his name? Ball ball. Is yeah. that is, is his name Taco or something? Taco Fall. Taco Fall. Yeah, Taco Fall. Yeah, yeah, Taco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taco. And Tall he was guy. mad for um he's college seven, ever. Two or something, yeah. Seven three or something what like is that. that? How did he fit in, in a car? I can't fit. In, I can barely fit in my car. He's got Wait, this one before. Just think about him getting in the car. Like he'll put his leggings first, and he get his other hand to get his other hand into the car. He close the door. I probably got a tailor fitted car or something. You know. I love him, buddy. And his cancer is pretty huge too. That dude's like seven feet or borderline mm-hmm. seven feet. Yeah, he's interesting. Like Him and yeah. his political views. <laughs> but let's not go there. Let's not go there. But yeah, going back to your, to your quick question. Since you go for Minnesota Timberwolves, obviously, was that because of the fact that you lived in Minnesota, or was it just because of the fact that you generally like them? No, I don't really root for them, but yeah. Oh, so who do you root for? They haven't been relevant in 15 years. No, it's not the way American UK work is the way you're from, where you're from is where you support. Yeah. No, but then who do you like besides Minnesota? To be honest, I don't really like anybody. I don't, I don't follow as much as I used to when I was younger. How about players? So I just, I just see what happens occasionally, time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but I don't really follow as much as I can. I don't really like it. And if there was a team, I guess Minnesota. Yeah. Mm. Because you're from, but they haven't been relevant in 15 years. So yeah, they've had good draft picks and stuff like that. Like, come on, the 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 the, the, the land of 10,000 point guards, they call it. You know, yeah, yeah they draft a point guard that's every true. year, and every point guard they draft is, is and that that two, you know, that two picks before Steph Curry, yeah, in the 2009 draft, yeah. Rick Rubio and some other guy, they picked two, yep, yep, and they yep. and they hated on Steph, yeah, and after Steph was what, Demar yeah. was in that. Early teens. But, but NBA has become a change. James Harden was in yeah. that. I got into basketball a few years ago. But yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm surprised. Australians, you know, you guys know a little one too about basketball, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. You guys know a lot. <laughs> he got surprised with the footy. He's like, what is this, what is this sport? I thought that was rugby. <laughs> I used to see that, but I thought that was rugby. Oh, so you've seen I, it in the States before? I've seen it. Ra- I, to be honest, I don't really follow but I've seen it randomly. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, on a random TV channel or something. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's rugby. Yeah. You know? I didn't know there was a whole sport called. What is it called again? Footy. AFL. Footy. It's like NFL, but AFL. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that. I thought that was rugby. It's the craziest sport, though. You'd love it, I reckon. Like, you know, athletically, like, I've seen wide receivers in NFL and they they lift and they run, but nothing beats AFL because it's like when you're playing NFL. This pl- you have offensive team, defensive team, so you get rest. Yeah. AFL, they're running 15Ks. They're lo- more than 15Ks. They, do you know how long the games are? Mm. 30 minutes, four quarters. Yeah. Wow. Four quarters of 30 minutes. Every Non-stop. Week. 18 plays on it. Up and down. Do you know, it's the biggest pitch. Yeah. 120 minutes. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. 120. And, and they play on probably the fifth biggest stadium in the world. 100,000 people. You know how much NFL is? You know how much playing time it is, really? Officially, unofficially, it's 60 minutes, right? 60? 60 minutes, like 15 minutes a quarter, right? But unofficially, the whole game runs for only 11 minutes. Because every play is like 5, 6 seconds. And altogether, it's only 11 minutes. And if you're on offense, it's probably half of that. But man, those 5 seconds, you're bringing everything you got. That's why, that's why, yeah. Well, they get hit. And it's a mental game more than, I don't say more, but it's mental just as it's a physical game. Look at Tom Brady. Yeah. That guy, unathletic, doesn't look like. I think we all, everyone in this group has a better body than him. <laughs> he's, the, he's that good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he's up here. Yeah, it's, mental. Up here. it's a mental game. But it's think how hard game. you might have to try, like, like stand out to be in the NFL. Do you know what I mean? Because you get that five, six seconds to stand out. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Compared to like the NBA, one good dunk <laughs> set you up. Yeah. So you're telling me all these highlights. <laughs> Oh, we're 11 minutes of game time. Right now, yeah. who do you... Who, actually, right now... <laughs> it's 11 minutes, because 6 seconds of play, if you have, you know, so, actually, 60 right now, plays a game. If I was to ask you, who do you know from the NFL, who would you say? I don't know anybody. Uh, who would you say? Actually, OBJ? Yeah, I know, like, five players. I know just the famous guys, the names. There's Tony a Muslim Brown, guy in there. OBJ. I don't say OBJ, oh, because he's famous OBJ. catchers, that's it. Mm. You always see him on House of Highlights and stuff. See how we spoke about mindset now, like, just focusing, it's all mental. I think studying... The Dean is the same thing. So now us living in the West, you know, Allah Alam with these boys, but a lot of our audience don't have the intention to go overseas and study. And it's difficult to be consistent here to what to study because you don't you don't have ten teachers to teach you aqidah, fiqh, hadith, tafsir, tajweed and then do hifs. You don't have all this 
capabilities online there's so many people to listen to so what's a good way for us to at least start to build the habit of being like talib al-ilm trying to study being a student of knowledge and learning or build the foundation yeah build the foundation even basic something very small what how can we start yeah and then maintain it as well yeah i think the first step obviously after renewing your intentions and sincerity and all that and we all know the importance of that is obviously finding a teacher because you can't do anything without a teacher you can only go so far and without a teacher there's going to be more harms than benefits right you have to have a teacher so if you find a right and the teacher has to be somebody who has the knowledge but at the same time has the ability to de- deliver the knowledge in its proper format because you have some students of knowledge they study for years but it's an empty vessel they have nothing there because they didn't have the right mentorship they didn't have the right teachers or they themselves were just you know wandering around so you have to once you get a teacher he makes everything easy for you he just hands you a sandwich and all you have to do is eat the sandwich but the minute you know if you don't have a teacher now you're going to have to buy the bread from here and find halal meat certified by the council and you know get some lettuce and then cook and then put it together and then add some sauces and then by the time that's done you got gray in your beard you got 10 kids mm-hmm. you got a whole life to worry about right so once you get a teacher it's a shortcut teacher will 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 tell you you know st- let's st- study this and study that and we'll do this book together and you do a book in every single science and every single item you do at least minimum of one book a primer in each science and you perfect that primer and you you have some type of habit where you where you review it and what happens if you can't find a teacher because like just thinking on the top of my head i can't even personally think of someone who can teach me th- through all these books so what's something they can do either to find a teacher or pathway without a teacher as a start because yeah. sometimes the pathway of knowledge mi- ma- makes you meet the teacher yeah i mean that that's the tough part if you can't find a teacher you, you really have to look for it. that's the toughest part of the journey so you really have to look for the teacher and and and, and try but if you can't find a teacher i guess you know one of the nirmas of today is that we have online you know so uh, if you can get in contact with a teacher online and maybe you know listen to some of his his books or some of the of of the of the of the courses that he's taught and you have some type of connection you either send him an email or mm-hmm. get his number or something you ask him questions that's a second that's a nice secondary plan but always let it be your mission to find a physical teacher try your best even if it means to move from the city that you're in or to f- bring the teacher and bring him to your city then <laughs> do so even though the origin is that you go to knowledge and knowledge doesn't come to you as Imam Malik Rahimullah says <laughs> whoever can't find a teacher then let him travel so you have to travel to find find a teacher you see what I'm trying to say and, and you know knowledge doesn't it's not something that's easy yeah. if you want the knowledge or you're hungry for it you gotta go after it you know and that's that's everything in athletics we were just talking about if you really want to become an athlete you're gonna have to attend these camps sometimes to go to these camps you have to travel you have to meet different scouts you got to try different workouts you got to go and setbacks happen too yeah. anything mm-hmm. you know sometimes you can't you travel and then you have to come back for family situations mm-hmm. sometimes you come back money situations same with sports jobs so even having setbacks with din setbacks with din like unfortunately it's something that we all become inconsistent with yeah. like we'll be reading a book we get all excited we smash the book and then we just we go into back to normal life we have a teacher the teacher goes on holiday and it's hard to build that habit again yes, so how how can we even be keep being consistent because the dean is something you always have to be consistent with always yeah. try to be striving for mm-hmm. and shaitan's always shaitan's smart you know he's always yeah. he knows what to say yeah, yeah. consistency is uh for millennials is almost non-existent mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing for a millennial forget generations mm-hmm. i don't even want to talk about them millennials they can Cause it's like it's not even you know it's very hard for them to be consistent if you tell a millennial to you know uh flip the switch every single day you know next week or sec two weeks in he's going to forget one day or he's going to get too lazy so consistency anything in life whether it's dean or not that's something that you need to kind of learn and you got to get that discipline it's not something that could just you have to get it there's no other way you have to have consistency if you don't have consistency you're not going anywhere and I believe that a person as long as a person is in the boxing ring as long as he's struggling he's fighting he fights for 2 3 days then he's down for a week too then he gets back up 
hopefully with the assistance of Allah and his consistent dua, there's going to be one day where he stands tall and he never falls down again. Mm. But once you leave that boxing ring and say uncle and you give up and you leave the, you leave the entire, that, that's the problem. And that's mm. one of the tricks of shaitan. One of the deceptions of shaitan is that he wants you to get to that point. But consistency is something that's hard to establish. It's not something that's easy. Something that's hard. So you have to make it within yourself. Hey, I'm going to do it. The time is going to come. And uh, set an incentive for yourself. You know what I mean? Exactly. Wouldn't you say consistency is backed by how bad you want that end goal? Do you know what I mean? Whether it be Jannah or whether it be that attain that knowledge, like just to make Ilay pleased. Um, what would you say? Because... Because I know one thing, do you know what I mean? You can't do anything without loving it, do you know what I mean? Uh. Whether it's ilm or something like that. Just like the same way when you're giving the story, was it? I don't know which imam was, Imam Abu Hanifa or Imam Shafi'i, when he said he used to carry an ink pot every single time in his pocket, do you know what I mean? He must have loved it, do you know what I mean? Regardless of the fact whether his thought was going to get stained with that thing, do you know what I mean? It's a good point, because Imam Ahmed, he, said so, he was asked one time, did you seek knowledge for the sake of Allah? And he said, لا لكنه شيء أحببته فطلبته. I can't say I did it for the sake of Allah, but it's something that I fell in love with, so I just sought it. Yeah. So that does have a factor. But sometimes you, if you love something, early on, early on you have this burning within you. You have motivation for a month, for two months, and then it dies down. Whenever you're new to something, that's natural human being. The Prophet ﷺ told us, amalin, inshallah, that in the, for every action there's like a beginning fire to it. You love it and you're motivated. But then you come back to human life. You come back to earth. Now, re-establishing that and keeping it consistent takes a lot of time, perseverance, and patience. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses somebody for, some, for someone to have that consistency in that love, then that's amazing. That's so, that, that obviously, that motivation. That's why a person, if he wants to, one of the best ways he can develop that consistency is to look for ways in which he can renew that motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, for me personally, what I do is I travel. If I see, like, I'm, I'm falling off a little bit, I leave, I leave the entire city, go two days, I just go somewhere random, I come back, bam, go back to 100%, because that's what gets me motivated, mm. I leave the, the entire it environment, you. it rejuvenates me, you know what I'm saying, I see different people, see different things, you know, get out of the area, leave, come back, so you got to find that motivation that keeps you motivated, so everybody has, you know, buttons to tap, you got to find that button and tap it to keep that motivation, so if you want to love something, obviously, but there's that time you still want to love it, but it's just... You know, the motivation is not there. The motivation is not there. That's yeah. naturally human being. We're weak. Human beings are weak. So and you can use that. You can use that advice, just not with the dean at the end of the day. You can use that with everything, like whether you want to get up for a gym session in the morning, or you wanna you have a hobby of reading a book and you love that book, but your eyes are a bit tired. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's one of those advices which can be applied to everything in your life. And go back to the thing about like how much people love something that they start doing it regardless of whether the fact that it's a thing there. Like I know some boys. Who wake up like 3 a.m. here in Australia to watch a EPL match? Yeah. And in my head, I don't watch soccer, yeah? yeah. And I'm just like, what? How can you do that? You know, 3 a.m. just to watch a match, stay up or wake up. Obviously, I know he can say to me, but it's just like, what? <laughs> but it shows, you know what I mean? From a young age, they built that love and it just became a habit, that consistency. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's just achieved to me in my head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the entertainment is a whole different industry. <laughs> Entertainment, that's pretty easy to get motivated to, you know. It's easy to be consistent with that. <laughs> easy to be consistent with that, you know. But the hard part is something productive, you know, mm, something yes. like, you know, uh, studies or even athletics, something that you have to work like. You know, not all these athletes, they don't have all the work ethic. And, and studying whatever science you're in or having the work ethic at work or whatever, it's in deen and it's in life. And life is part of the deen. Like mm-hmm. Islam, Islam is not just a religion that you believe in. Islam is a whole way of life. That's the thing. So it translates to everything. You know what I mean? Mm. He, he said in the last podcast, he's like, um, mm. there's two things, instant gratification and delayed gratification. Yeah. And like I said before, with millennials, yeah. we just want things now, immediately. Yeah. If, if we go to gym for, for, for two weeks, we're like, where's muscles? Yeah. Where's this? Where's that? Where's okay, I'll go to Medina University for a month. Why am I not a sheikh for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading a book. Okay, damn. Okay, this. Okay, now I read two books. I should know what's going on. Where do you think that thought process comes from? The whole instant gratification, delayed gratification it's, it's, thing. I, I reckon. I reckon technology just sort of just t- everything became at a touch of a button. Mm. It's right here immediately. Instead of calling the pizza, you can touch a few buttons and it comes to your house in ten minutes. Yeah. Do you remember growing up early? When you wanted to watch a new TV show or your favorite show, it'd come on after school 4.30. You watch one app, you open it, 
or you click the channel. Oh, I watched this last week. But you have to rewatch it. Now, Netflix, you can watch the entire season, season one, two, three. Click it. It's no ads. Yeah. Seven episodes back to back to back. Wow. All night. You remember Saturday nights were movie nights? Yeah, and if but... you missed that movie on Channel 9, you had to wait two weeks if it came up. Or you had to wait for a marathon of that whole show or whatever. Oh, and now you go to your siblings, they're in the car with you, they just go on to a trip to calls or something like that. Yeah, Chuck on YouTube for me, chuck on YouTube. Yeah. I was like, yes, wait till we get home. Life was amazing <laughs> back then, man. Now you're reminiscent, life was nice. Yeah. Everything was, was slow. Back then, we didn't like it, but it was nice looking back. We didn't yeah. realize it was slow. Yeah. Was we didn't realize it was slow. Yeah. But it, it was it was nice. It was adventurous. Mm. Like, what are you doing the next day? Like, you're... Like, you have... You you need to think about what you're doing. Now, you just have your phone and you do whatever you want. You're never phone. alone. Before yeah. you before the podcast, you said, mm-hmm. a book is a man's best friend. Yes, sir. Now, a man's best friend is a phone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about that idea about... A book is a man's best friend, you know, because maybe back 20 years ago, it was slow, no technology. So people did read uh-huh. and now it's not a habit. Like even me, I like to read, but it's so difficult to sit there for 25 minutes and read. You probably sit for hours. So how, not the habit of reading, but how can people even want to start reading? Like why should they read books, that kind of thing? Yeah, reading is, is essential to life and anything, you know. And the first area to come down is read. Iqra. So we're supposed to be the nation of, of reading and unfortunately... The average Arab reads six minutes a year. <laughs> six minutes a year. And I don't know where that stat came out of. I love it. Is, six crazy. minutes a year. Six minutes a year. It's not including the Quran. Uh, hey, I hope it's not only Twitter. That's unfortunate. The, the country of Belgium, they say, reads more than all 22 Arab countries, which spans 250 million. Belgium's so small. Belgium's so small. What is it, 10, 11 million? Belgium reads more, and Belgium is the least read uh, country in Europe. They say, in a stat that I uh, that I read once. So the least con- <laughs> the least read country reads more, reads than-, more than all twenty two Arab countries. I don't even want to get to the rest of the uh, listen up. all fifty three Muslim countries. What? So uh, as a Muslim, we kind of went away from reading, and we wonder why, you know, we're lacking knowledge and we have all these issues and problems. You know, reading is essential for a Muslim. So we we ha- reading has to be a part of our lives and. It's not something that could be developed in a night or day. Rome wasn't built in a, in a day, right? You have to, it has to, it goes back to that same thing, consistency. So, uh, you know, reading uh, is a man's best friend. You know, and, and, and reading, you know, you kind of live in your own world. You feel like you're living in your own world. You have this different imagination. Obviously, it's very hard to read a book when you're competing with movies and, and TV shows, crazy stuff, you know? Uh, back then there wasn't that reading was the closest thing to that mm. so it's tougher to read nowadays right so if a person can't read maybe uh audiobooks you know a lot of people listen to audiobooks nowadays if you could do that what's your opinion right. on audiobooks or even like legendary mm. he likes uh, this brother abduwali mm. he likes reading books on his ipad or phone uh, do you, what's your opinion i may i'm physical books uh, and not even audiobooks so what's uh, your yeah i'm a physical guy right here so i, I like the physical but I, I resort to the, to the phone when you don't have, and if I don't have my books with me or research, whatnot. It's a nice second option. Mm-hmm. But physical, just, you feel like you're in the game, brother. You feel like you're with the book. You know, Abdullah ibn Mubarak, was a second century scholar from Sunnah Sivimamatic one time, he uh, didn't see him for days. The homies didn't see him for days. So they asked about him. He said, Abdullah ibn Mubarak, where you been? So he said, I've been chilling with the companions of the Prophet I've these past few days. So uh, they said, Are you mocking us, O Abu Abdurrahman? Which was his kunya. And then Abdullah ibn Barak responded by saying, I read in hadith books. So it is as if I'm sitting with the Prophet and his companions. I just imagine it. Uh, so then they understood it. So you feel like you're in a whole different world. You know, an, another physical world when you're reading, just you in the books. And the more you get into reading, the more you develop that. That happened, and we every single Muslim should be reading consistently every single day, five minutes, ten minutes, even if something that is short. They should try to get that into part of their habits. And audiobooks, you know, audiobooks is, is still pretty good. And listening is something that is, is something very good as well. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it has the same effect as reading. Obviously, when you see it with your eyes, and you can go back to it, and it's not the same. But audiobooks is also something that's real, that's real nice. You know the whole imagination things about like reading into a book, and then you're in another world. Yeah. 
you're not as much as you give that advice to someone who doesn't read they don't understand until they actually start reading yeah. that was one thing that i found like very achieve like the fact that for me audiobooks i cannot do the whole imagination thing i'll probably like understand here and there but the whole imagination that's the difference between an audiobook and actual physical book because when you're in that that book you look at that word physically and then you imagine what is actually going on and for those that are listening is like when someone gives you advice about whether to start reading a book or not just once you start then you will know what you're speaking about at the end of the day it's it's an achieve thing about reading yeah. and the whole ayah about iqra being the first thing first word that's said in the quran yeah. you know what i mean it's just like and what are we doing six minutes a day six minutes a day <laughs> a year it was a year and a day six minutes a year what's it called so you left minnesota went straight to medina yeah okay yeah i understand the workload of um studying electrical engineering might have been tough but going that environment yeah. and reading possibly every single day for hours and hours and hours in, yeah. in classes class after class after class i'm assuming the workload was probably doubled if not tripled yeah. how was it how do you like for like how did you go from america yeah. to there and like was it a hard transition well i in america I had no class i'll be honest and when I say Medina, we had any type of class, but we wanted it, you know what I'm saying? We were trying to learn. But America, you know, to be honest, everybody was trying to just graduate, get a job, and, you know, get that bread. That's it. There was no, it wasn't really about knowledge. But when you go over there, you're trying to, you're really trying to get that knowledge. Whether it was Sisir or not, may Allah grant us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. But um, when you want something, it goes back to the same concept you were mentioning. You want something that's different. You're going to... Obviously, you're going to have the motivation early. All the new students have the best motivation because they come in with fire. You know, They're like rookies. They're trying to prove and make a statement. But then after that, they come back to human life in a couple months, right? So early on, you establish that. And then after that, it just becomes a routine. It becomes a routine. Once something becomes a routine, you don't look at it as big. But it was definitely pretty tough early on, you know, studying 24 hours. Like you're mutafirr. All you have to do is seek Islamic knowledge. You have nothing else, mm. you know. So, so uh, getting used to that was a, took a while, but after a while, it became routine, and it was just another day in the office and studying seven days a week or six days a week, whatever it may be. So you went, you go from studying a few hours just to pass the exam. You don't care about the minute the semester is done, you're selling that book. To, not even caring about what's studying at the university, on lo- alone, you're taking more classes at the haram. You're going, you, the, 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 the classes you took at the university, you're reviewing it. You're going back to it. You're taking notes. Mm. You seem trying to say it's a whole different, it's like two different worlds, right? It's not, you, it's not, like a, it's not the same. In America, you just, you know, you're just studying. It's the same here. Yeah. The subject yeah. exam, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah done. Like, you can, we all go to uni, you can ask us what our last exam was on. I don't remember one question from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true, Wallah. Yeah. But how do you how do you manage that? Because obviously you get holidays and breaks, so you're not studying 24 hours that whole year. Yeah. When you go on your little semester breaks, I'm pretty sure you get two or something in the year yeah. uh, at Medina University. How do you, when you come back, are you the same person, do you say? Or when you come back to obviously the Western world, you lose all those routine and the habits that you used to have? So uh, for me personally, I didn't used to go back every year. I used to back every two years or so. Oh. Uh. There was only one time I went back-to-back years. Uh, but alhamdulillah, when we used to go back to, uh, to the United States. We used to study as well. We had some mashaykh that used to come over. We have some sheikhs over there. We used to study with them. Obviously, it's not the same. Like in, in, in the Middle East, we're studying way more. We're studying, you know, multiple hours a day, 10 plus double-digit hours a day to maybe two, three hours a day. But you're still studying. So uh, it's definitely an adjustment. Going back to the Western world and then coming back usually takes a couple of weeks to adjust back. It's not the same. Uh, but during the semester breaks, winter break, spring break, what we would do, we would even study more because we would have seminars that would be double-digit hours a day for 10 days or for 12 days or for two weeks. So we would study even more, like starting Fajr, ending at Shah sometimes, and Fajr to, or Asr to like midnight or something or Something like that, you know? And then Asr to Midnight, one seminar, and Fajr to Lord, another seminar or something, you know? So uh, semester breaks, it's kind of different. But the summer breaks, definitely it's an adjustment when, when I do go back. And same thing goes for my, for my colleagues. But to be honest, I want to mention one thing. That is university. University of Medina is kind of like, it's kind of becoming like universities in the West. 
if it had it's already been like that now it's kind of yeah. like you take the exam and خلاص, you don't really care about what happens you know what i mean you don't really care what happens you don't really uh uh go into the details of, of the exam you just want to pass the exam why is that really cares about the knowledge that is taken as much as it was emphasized before because it's not the same the university has been watered down a little bit you know it, is it mentality like the mentality that they teach like how important is it or is it more important just to get the degree sometimes it's the important thing is the degree some people say it's the knowledge so is it that kind of thing like the intention behind what people are trying to do is everybody knows that uh, it's supposed to be the knowledge but the culture there was a culture change culture back in the day was for knowledge the cultural change and because the culture it was about knowledge it became prestigious that's how the name went up and then that's when the, you know you know when everything starts small it gets big but when it gets big that's the real test when it got really big there was a culture change now everybody's in it for the degree so some people come in just for the degree but back when the degree wasn't as touted right uh, everybody came there for the knowledge in reality you seem to try to say so there was a little culture change that's not I want to say it's 100% but there was obviously other perks like scholarships and being in the city of the prophet but all these things put together all these factors put together changed the entire culture the teachers the students faculty administration so it's not like it was before and everybody acknowledges it would you say that's the only factor that's increased it the fact that obviously the prestigious side to it and how like it's gained value compared to what it was before uh, the knowledge uh, yeah people coming to travel to Medina and learn there because of the fact that it's just prestigious um, what, do you, what do you reckon about it's, the, it's the political side of it it's, it's that it's the city of the process and location it's, it's the fact that you're getting a full ride scholarship yeah. you know it's a, it's a few factors in between it has like basically all everything that you can ask for compared to any other university exactly for you free know? and the fact that you know 80% of the universities for foreigners you know a little comfort hope so there, there's a lot of perks to it, but mm. in reality, people they think that anybody who goes to the University of Medina, khalas, he's a mm. proper student of knowledge or proper sheikh or alim. That's incorrect. That's not really, that's not really correct. You know. Um, like you said right now, because you got sort of watered down. Can you really, like, is there a change in the, in the, what was it called, the mentality of the of the next generation that comes in? Mm. Like, can you see that? Because you mentioned uh, that hadith or something last time about about four types of men. Like, mm. can you see that in the next generation? As in, like, uh, if you can drop the hadith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was a statement by Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah. Yeah. He says, Rajulun yadri wa yadri annahu yadri. Wa rajulun yadri wa la yadri annahu la yadri. Wa rajulun la yadri wa la yadri annahu la yadri. Wa rajulun la yadri wa yadri annahu la yadri. I got one question for you. Yeah. That's a tongue twister. Like, yeah. my brain hurts right now. How long did it take you to memorize that? <laughs> uh, 30, 30 seconds. He's, he's because because it, 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 I didn't memorize it. I just understood it. So I memorized it. And that, that whole thing sense. was the same? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Bismillah. What does it mean? Well, it means basically men are four types or mankind or humans, for lack of a better term. Right? As a, as, as a man who knows or a person that knows, and he knows that he knows. He's confident in his knowledge. That's a scholar, he says. A man who does it, who knows, but doesn't know that he knows. Tell him to step up to the plate because that person is a scholar. He just doesn't know he's a scholar. A man who doesn't know and knows that he doesn't know. He's an ignorant man. Tell him to seek knowledge. But this fourth guy, this guy is one son of a gun, right? This guy, <laughs> right? He, he doesn't know. But he doesn't know, doesn't realize that he doesn't know. He's an ignoramus. Compound ignorance. Right? 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 He says, listen, I know, I'm acknowledge I'm an ignorant person. But my friend over here, <laughs> this guy is one ignoramus, you know? So that, that that's the issue. We have, we have some people that... And that's affecting the entire doubt. We have a lot of people that think they know, and just because they have a degree or just because they have something, and they're giving out verdicts, they're talking in the name of Islam. Some of them they don't even have degrees; they've never studied, and they talk about Islam as if as if they're the go-to person. And that's the problem. People gotta stop, you know, giving attention to these people and 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 and, and uh, giving them, you know, 
that uh, quote unquote uh, clout as as and portraying them as scholars. In reality, scholarship is not just about studying, you know, because you can study at any institution. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything. It means something, but it doesn't mean everything. Uh, it means real knowledge, raw knowledge, right? And uh, that, that that's very very important that you mention that because obviously university is watered down, but at the same time there's still some good that's coming out of it. But we're just trying to say just because a person who graduated mm. or studied doesn't mean that person is uh, is like a scholar. Mm. Now, that person who studied and went to the university still, he's still probably better than your average Joe Sixpack, right? Mm. Or your soccer mom, as they say. Mm-hmm. He's probably better. But uh, a one-eyed man is king in the land of the blind. Ooh. What? I love that. A one-eyed yeah, man is that. king in the land of the blind. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think you know? Yeah, he has a little bit of knowledge, but but he, a little bit more than the masses. Oh yeah, yeah. but he doesn't have two eyes like the scholars. Even yeah. us blind. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yes, sir. Quick one. Don't you think? Because I'm looking two points that he just mentioned right now. You know how Imam Ghazali says about the guy that doesn't know. Um, oh, there's four. Words <laughs> yeah. But basically, I'm talking about the guy that ignorant man, but he thinks he knows. Yeah. Um, and then the whole social media side of it. Yeah. And I know we keep bashing social media how it's like it's got its cons and stuff, but it's got its pros. Mm-hmm. But Ashraf asked you the question early on before when he was speaking about um, what do you do when you don't have Mashaykh in your pres- uh, in your in your presence? What do you do? And then obviously you said obviously go seek them, and, and if you can't find them, then seek them again. If you still can't find them, seek them. And then after if you can't, and at the end of the day, then look online and stuff. Do you know what I mean? But how do you distinguish between who is a Mashaykh and who is giving the right yeah. type of ilm? when there's people out there on social media who don't know, but they think they know. They're one of those people that kind of agree. That's a good question. It's a, sorry, it's a very, uh, very question. It's, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. How can a person differentiate? It's very hard for the person in the beginning steps to know, because he wouldn't know, right? Yeah, especially layman's in that. Yeah. That's when the person has to go to somebody he trusts, mm. somebody who's been in the game, or somebody who's connected to somebody who's been in the game. Yeah. That's where the trust factor comes in, right? Mm. Somebody that you trust and you, you think you can uh, have an man in your dean and you ask that person. That's, that's the only way. And then with knowledge, step by step, you can differentiate. With knowledge, step by step, you can differentiate. So that's how I would answer that question. Yeah. And, and, you know, in a difficult life that we live in, the world that we live in, with all these different controversies and all everything that's happening, everybody's confused, all these different sects, all these different mm. matters, all these different ideologies, people are confused. They're like, what, what, what is the right path? Exactly. And, and, and the best way to cure that is knowledge. And to way, the way to acquire that knowledge is to go to trusted sources, trusted individuals in your community and ask them, who can I seek knowledge with? And uh, also there's, there's the also, yani, there's certain teachers and certain scholars that most people agree with that they are scholars, that are known in the world, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 those individuals as well, you know, and people will continue to get more confused and confused as time goes on, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because more ideologies come out. Mm-hmm. And then regardless of that, like everyone now is going to have a platform like Twitter, basically. you got Twitter sheikhs and stuff. Oh, yeah. Who they, who they think there's a statement there. Yeah. And think of it, yeah, a person who's just joined Twitter, doesn't know nothing about the deen, and he goes, oh, this guy said it, do you know what I mean? And he wears the thobe. And he gets a likes. He gets yeah. Up, yeah. You know so what it seems right. And he drops some yeah. hadith that you don't know if it's right, he just says it, and it's yeah. like, oh... Uh, sounds right yeah, yeah twitter twitter man is a headache man somebody yeah. goes on there do you have twitter i used to have twitter back in the day do you have any socials i don't i'm not really on social media i'm no. not really on social media uh, i mean there are some of the brothers they record some of the deduces from the lessons and they put it on social media but me personally i'm not on uh, social media i just yeah. i just use whatsapp i'm old school but back in the day mm. you know 10 years ago eight years ago i used to use it but i stopped using the social media for the most part how, how do you think that's affected your life like generally speaking better for you because obviously it's situational depending on the person way better alhamdulillah alhamdulillah all things to allah because social media really wastes your time so you affected uh, by entertainment like i said before what's that you, you're talking about before how how people are so like yeah. affected and they they believe everything they see mm-hmm. yeah like and social media is, is, is like if, if you're not on social media, you don't really see. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And this is from mm-hmm. credible sources. Okay, you know what? I know this channel or this place mm-hmm. is, a, is a credible source. Mm-hmm. I'll search up there. But on I- Instagram or Twitter, mm-hmm. you don't know what is real, what what isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's the concept of trying to be more productive as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, t- it's it's time consuming, man, and it's 
it releases some type of dopamine where you have to keep coming back and you have to yeah. keep checking your phone and then oh, and then what do you you can't be consistent in anything mm. so yeah, that was a uh, on a previous the, episode we spoke about that feeling where mm. you think you got a notification and you check and there's nothing <laughs> which is a crazy phenomenon only yeah. us have there's actually there's actual term for it no mobophobia huh? yeah. no mobophobia it's because people have their phones in their pockets and it's in that position where it vibrates continuously yeah? Yeah. and it's like when they don't have that phone in their pocket they think just because of the fact that they're in that moment and everything that they get that vibration it happens to me I'm not even going to lie like I suffer from that I'm in Salah right and I go oh I think I've got one I look at my phone it's dead and that's a wrap for today's episode we hope you um, sincerely enjoyed today's episode and just for more updates and stuff, follow on us on all our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the whole lot, at Fair Dinkum AU. Peace.